Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Welcome, everybody, to The Psychologists Are In. I'm Maggie Lawson. And I'm her podcast partner in crime, Timothy Elmitson. And before we talk about this week's guest and episode, we wanted to give a little information on what's currently going on in the entertainment industry. The WGA and SAG-AFTRA are currently striking because they want studios and streaming services to offer better pay, increase royalties, higher contributions to their pension and health plans, and safeguards on the use of AI in the industry. And as proud members of the Screen Actors Guild, Tim and I can no longer do our typical rewatch podcast format. So for the upcoming episodes, we're gonna be doing something a little different. We are going to be doing a lot more uh, taggy episodes and speaking with some of our friends from the show, but we're not gonna be breaking down the episodes or encouraging anyone to be rewatching for the time being. We hope you understand and proudly stand by the WGA and SAC. What better way to support the WGA uh, than by having one of our favorite writers and James Rode Rodriguez's BFF, Todd Harthan, on the episode. We hope you enjoy. Yay, Todd's here. Oh my God. My first podcast ever. Ever? Well, uh, I'm um, speaking for Maggie, but we are honored to, to be your first. Yeah, we're honored. Oh, we're honored yeah, to be the well, first one. I'm honored to be, be on uh, your lovely podcast. Uh, this is the first episode, right? You've never done one of these no, before, right? No, it's I'm our the first, first one. Yeah, so it's crazy. Doing? I know. We were literally like, we have to start with Todd. Like, oh, there's no one else. So sweet. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I miss you guys. I miss your faces. I, Todd, I, I know. I miss you so much. Where are you right now? What's behind you? Oh, so when my TV shows get canceled, I take all the cool stuff. And this is a big piece <gasps> of the wall from Rosewood. Oh, my God. How cool. So when they canceled the show, we had a street artist do a big mural. And then as they were breaking down the sets, I had them cut two big pieces. This one and the, there's another one in another part of the house. But yeah. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah, not bad. That's a cool. Everybody thinks it's a fake background, but it's actually just a huge piece of art that if it falls, <laughs> I will not survive. <laughs> it looks like a wall. So from here, it looks like cement blocks that were painted, obviously. Right. Yeah, but it's just just cheap plastic. Okay. And I was like, oh my God, Todd like went somewhere cool to like sit down to have his podcast with us. Anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Okay. Hi, Tim. Hey, Maggie. Hi, Todd. Tim. God, look at that head of hair. You still oh, have it, buddy. There. You look great today. Tim, you look great. You always look great, but you look especially yeah. great today. Todd, we spend the first, like, five minutes just complimenting each other. So, oh, yeah, okay. that's, that's like, our Absolutely. favorite things to do. And, and, Tim, I got to say, isn't it, like, 100 degrees over in the – I mean, it's it's very hot over here right now, too, it's, but, like, in the valley. Oh, yeah. guess, guess what? Guess what yeah. totally broke? Our air conditioners, like, died last week. Um, no way. Then we like paid a bunch of money to have it like looked at and then fixed. And they're like, yeah, we can't fix it. We got to replace it. So this morning we get to do with um, All right. the joy of having an entire air conditioning unit um, 
price to get replaced because it's supposed to be like 100 degrees this weekend. Yeah. It's a, oh, and it's it's six years old. Right. That's the fun, the fun of homeownership. Well, I got text you yesterday, yeah. Max. Like, at least it wasn't the plumbing. The plumbing is, you don't want the plumbing to go out. That's never a good one. No, that's a bad one. That's like the worst, that is the worst one. <laughs> Although, yeah, we have Todd Harthan on the podcast today and we're so, we're so excited that we were like, first off, I love one, maybe two ways out so much, but also like, I, we just want to talk to you because Todd, I think your story, well, first off, Tim, do you want to ask Todd a question? Yeah, Todd, very important question. I'm sure you know what we're going to ask. <clears throat> Todd Harthan, our dear friend, are you ready to help my dear friend Maggie and I podcast the shit out of this very special Just Todd Harthan episode? <laughs> uh, I am ready as shit to podcast the shit out of this podcast. Yes. I think that's the best answer we've ever had. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no question. Don't tell Andy. Is that it? Are we yeah. done? Is that all okay. I had to Thank do? Thank you, Jackie, for listening. Right. It was such a great, great interview. So great to Ooh. have you here, Todd. Sweet. Uh, sweet. <laughs> Todd, so, I mean, you, one to maybe two ways out. You had done, I think, uh, Let's Get Harry by now, maybe another as well. But we want... I did, yeah. We want to go back. Yeah, there was a couple before. A couple before. We want to, like, go back to the very beginning of mm -hmm. how we got how lucky we were to have you on psych but how all of that came to be and you can go back as far as high school if you want because that might be <laughs> when it really began one thing towards your listeners so having somebody like todd on is really just the epitome of our show of of what psych was because mm -hmm. todd is not only our friend he's our colleague he was our playmate on set and offset it makes yeah. sense that we're just making this a todd arthan episode to get the man's, the hero's oh. origin story. I have to add too, I feel like Todd became like, like you, you, you became the, the party thrower, the reunion haver, the like, you brought everybody together even yeah. after the fact. I feel like every year, whether it was like Christmas or the, the premiere of the first movie, like Todd's right. always been also because you're like the king of Hollywood now. But anyway, let's. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all like wow. like of course todd so todd has to host todd has the most insane house we've ever seen in our lives and now you have a new house <laughs> i do you have to yeah have you been to this no, one you haven't been to this I've one well yeah. we're gonna have to we're gonna have to fix that shortly um, yeah, yeah. i'm in tarzana. tarzana now way out here way out here. i'm just keeping further away um but uh i did i i do love the hosting but i think it's because psych ended up being nothing against the shows I worked on prior, but this one had already had like that. They're all crap. He said, Oh, they're all crap. Yeah. I thought you said, Oh crap. And something no. flew into your eye. <laughs> um, but like this one, it was like, I don't know. It had such a cool family vibe. And uh, whether I was up in Vancouver or it was down here in the writer's room, uh, there was just like a collection of people I wanted to be around. So, uh yeah so i was always happy to host and i wear the, the little tiny crown you can't see it the king crown um, i mean i can, I can but, kind of see it yeah yes it's um but yeah i won't go all the way back like uh chunk did in goonies to like kindergarten but um yeah i mean a lot of people know that Rodé and i went to high school but a lot of people don't so let's tell yeah. So you oh. and Rodriguez, I mean, I'm sure most of the psychos do know this now, but it's such a, it's such a good story. So yeah, you guys went to high school together. Yeah. I was sort of like the lamest version of, of Bender from, uh, 
from 16, not 16 Candles, from <laughs> Breakfast Club. Um, and and Rodin was like super gifted actor already. And we were this odd pairing and we ended up in health class together because you had to take health to graduate. And I was a burnout and didn't have good grades. And he was a straight A student. And the only way we were going to get in a class together was if like you put the deadhead that was in metal shop in health <laughs> with the smart kid. So we ended up sitting next to each other and passing like funny notes uh, back and forth um, so and just cute. realized we had a similar sense of hu uh, humor. Other people were doing it with like girls. Uh, <laughs> we were doing it with each other and uh, we had the best time. And like, I swear, like it must've been 10 days later, he convinced me to quit uh, whatever sport I was playing at the time. It, it was either basketball, it might've been basketball, which I had uh, in my last period of the day. And he's like, dude, you got to get in the theater. I'm like, I'm a senior in high school, man. I don't think I'm joining theater out of the blue. And he's like, there's a freshman class at, in sixth period. And even though you're a senior, you can join. <laughs> All the and actors, and I did it. I, I, don't I think did I knew it. That I didn't know this detail. I feel like it all. Yeah, it's I, I joined theater. I joined theater, and I had to get my dad. My mom was out of town at the time, and I had to get my dad to write me a note. And and you, none of you have met my father except for for you, Max. Yeah. But um, he doesn't write a lot of notes. Uh, my mom uh, carried carried all the water on that front, and so he wrote. To whom it may concern, it's okay for my son Todd to be an actor. His dad, Chuck. <laughs> oh my God! He sent me. He sent me to school with that, and it worked. Oh my Thank God! God. So Chuck. Right here. Oh my God! Yeah, and so I joined theater, and then Roday got me to. Um, I did live sound for our production of Our Town, mm. uh, and he just got me working on the crew for for all the plays we were doing. And I loved it. And we'd start hanging out a lot. And um, that's probably the beginning when I started to graduate away from kind of not knowing what I wanted to do and then started hanging out with people that were writers and actors and directors and all that. Um, and so that was like this seed being planted. Uh, and then we both ended up in New York in college together. Uh, he went to NYU. I went to Fordham. Um, and I was a business student because I still... You know, I came from a family where it was like, you know, you had to have like a solid plan for how you're going to make a living. And yeah. being a writer wasn't exactly, uh, you know, the percentages weren't great of, of, of breaking through. So I went to business school and then I ended up in New York and I was living with like actors and, and Broadway performers. And I was hanging out with all these other writers and I was like, I just can't keep going to business school. I'm dying. I'm just, my soul is being crushed. And I quit. Yeah, uh, and James, when he, got, when he got his first pilot, I quit school. We packed up everything into a rented station wagon. And we moved out to LA together so he could be in the pilot, Ryan Caulfield, year one. And I took a job as a PA uh, on that show. And that's that's where I met my mentor, uh, James DeMonico. And, that's where I sort of, that was sort of the beginning of, uh, the very beginning of my writing career was, was taking that, the lowest level job as a PA and bringing people their lunches and making copies of scripts and sides. But, uh, every once in a while, DeMonico would invite me into the writer's room and I got to hang out and he was a huge, huge part of, uh, just cracking that door just a little bit. And, uh, it was my job to sort of run through it. Wow. So that's the nutshell version of 
how I, you know, it's just a, it was a weird circuitous route to, um, you know, taking a leap of faith and, and being, you know, betting on yourself is not exactly, um, you know, it, it, it takes a strong stomach, but I always had Rodé there. You know, he's so fearless in that respect. He was always like, I want to do this. I'm going to do it. Get out of my way. I didn't really have that uh, mentality, but I eventually got there, but it took some. But some it started with, I don't want to take health class. Get out of my way. <laughs> right. That's right. Um, and I'm pretty sure I got a C or a C minus in that health class. I'm not kidding. Uh, wasn't great. We all were passing notes um, the whole no. time. Well, think about it. Think about how crazy that is, though. Had we not ended up somehow at four years in high school together, yeah. I mean, passing each other in the hallways, never friend, anything like that. And then we just so happened to end up in our last year of high school, sitting next to each other in the one class we could have had together. That's insane. And had that not happened, you know, I don't know. It's such a weird thing to think it. about those moments. I That's kind of why I wanted, I was like, this story, I, re, I know some of the details. I didn't know all of the details. I just remember that it's like kind of an incredible story. The whole, all of it, like from. Would you from, say it's synchronistic? A hundred percent, Tim. Synchronistic. Todd, we have fun words. We have psychonic. We have synchronistic. We have um, how many degrees of what? What do we call it? Psych degrees of separation. We have. Yeah. <laughs> but that this yeah. was I was that's why I was like, we need to talk. I want to hear from Todd just from like the beginning of your friendship with James. And then because it's yeah. so it's so rich. And so did you know? So you're going through this whole process. You're in business school. But when you were in business school, and you were around all these actors and all these like artists. Are you like, I have these ideas. I have this. I need to write. I want to write. I am a writer. How how what mm -hmm. what? I mean, you were in the writer's room, obviously, on Ryan Caulfield, and DeMonico was opening that door for you. But, like, and you say yeah. you didn't have the fearless thing, which I would say, sitting from someone in my position looking at you, I would say you absolutely did. Um, so, where, like, what was the first thing that you were like, I'm going to take a shot at a script? I have an idea, mm -hmm. or like, yeah. Well, it was a combination of things. I think I always, I, I, if I had it, it was just sort of like buried, uh, sort of deep in the in the belly slash loin, and I had to sort of uh, figure out a way to, <laughs> you know, attract it. You know, a big part of it really was being in New York at that time. There was just some really interesting movies, uh, you know, that I was I was going to the Angelica and watching all these different like mm -hmm. Train Spotting. You know, I mean, Pulp Fiction came out well before that, and, and Tarantino was doing his thing, true romance movies like that, Bottle Rocket. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, there's just some movies I was watching. I was like, man, there's like the voices of some of these uh, writers and writer directors that like I love and appreciate, and I could kind of hear those cadences in my head. And I go, wait, if I could, I really commit my own version of this to paper. Maybe is it, I mean, what does it cost me but time to give it a shot? And then James and I, of course, in, in, in classic fashion, we used to make these little terrible horror films uh, in high school together on like a VHS camera. And he goes, well, why don't we write a genre movie? Why don't we, we'll just sit down and like write a movie? And we didn't have final draft or anything. I think we wrote it like, I think I we can. have like a word process. Oh. <laughs> uh, and and we, we love this movie called April Fool's Day, um, which if you haven't seen it, go out and check it out, you guys. It doesn't, well, it might hold up. Um, <laughs> and we, 
So we're brilliant guys, right? We're so smart. James and I, we go, let's write a sequel to a movie. We don't have the right to do it. <laughs> nice. And, and, so, and, that's what, and that's what we did. We, we, we wrote April Fool's again. Uh, and, and, and then we were like, well, how are we going to get anyone to read this? So and so probably can go get an April Fool's me twice. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we, I, I just went uh, and got a, an internship at a an Italian agency, a little boutique talent agency, and sort of made inroads and got someone to read it. Um, and that got us, like, I think that got us our first literary agent. And it was right at the time Goodwill Hunting was hitting and hitting big. Ooh. And I was like, dude. <laughs> we're the next Ben and Matt. We have, we're going to be at the Ben and Matt. We're going to be at the Oscars next year. It's going to be a whole thing because we wrote April Fool's again. This would have been 97, 98, somewhere in that range. I think right around the time, I'm pretty sure it was very close to when, when Goodwill Hunting came out. Whatever year Goodwill Hunting came out, mm-hmm. it was that year that we were like, let's write this movie. Um, we're best friends, like, and you know, like, why not? I'm a little bit taller than you have dark hair. You look a little bit like Matt Damon to do this. Um, and, uh, and then cut to like, I don't know, a year and a half later, I'm a PA in LA, uh, not at the Oscars. Um, but, but it broke the seal and we had such a good time writing together and, and made each other laugh and, and we bring slightly different things to the table as writers. And uh, that was the beginning. And then we just started writing together sometimes. I started writing. Back then, you wrote specs of existing shows. So I wrote an X-Files spec. I wrote a Friends spec. Wow. I'm really losing myself here. You're um, what, oh, welcome to the club. <laughs> we're talking about psych. <laughs> we just yeah, you, you look the same, and I have a white beard, so it's a little bit God, you look the same. Yes, you have a little more, like, Gray in the but you you look the same. You don't you ever? I was fishing for that. Don't you ever change dark in that that um, salt and pepper on your side because it looks amazing. No, looks great. Thank you. Yeah, you look, look great. Yeah. Uh, thank you, thank you. You're making me blush now. That's good. Um, but yeah, that's how it. That's how I started. I started going, and I just PA'd, and I started work. I worked on cruise for until about 2004, maybe 2003. Whenever, uh, and then I wrote a movie with Roday and DeMonico called Skinwalkers, which I think is probably considered top five best movies of all. I mean, it's up It's there in my top the, five, for sure. Godfather, yeah. you know what I mean? I mean, everybody knows. I don't even have to tell you. Though. No, everybody you didn't knows. have to say the title. Come on. You know, like, um, we know what you wrote, Todd. Yeah. But even though the movie wasn't successful, like, sold the movie, got it made. Um, and from there on, I, I just, you know was writing full time and um and transitioned to TV I think in 2006. And then it was my first TV. Which job. was what? Kill Point. Demonica yes. created a, a mini series with John Leguizamo and Donnie Wahlberg. It was like Dog Day Afternoon but over 8 hours, like mm-hmm. an 8 hour mini series. And it was incredible. Like incredible experience, like small writers room. I got to be on set for I think 70 straight days. Which was in where? Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh yeah. 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 Dana Ashbrook and and Wayne Castman, all my buddies got cast in the in the show, and it was like the greatest like TV camp ever. Oh. Um, it really was like the time of my life, and I never looked. And I fell in love with t- like working in TV in particular, and being on writing staff, and just you know 
the TV environment is pretty special, right? You have such a say and you know, such a heavy hand in, in what happens on that set. Mm-hmm. I fell in love with it and, and I stayed in TV pretty much from, from then on. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know about you all, but I kind of feel uncertain <laughs> a lot of the time, you know, about where I'm going, where I'm headed in life. I sometimes wonder, you know, back sometimes I think about was there is what the right path is, what the right path forward is. Also, was there anything I ever missed? Sometimes in life we're faced with tough choices and the path forward isn't always clear. It's just not. Sometimes we have absolutely no idea, I think, about where we're going next. I just sort of elaborated on that, but I still feel like it's worth saying for this ad in particular, whether you're dealing with decisions around career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really, really want while you navigate life. So you can move forward with confidence and excitement, which is so great. That's how we want to feel, right? We want to just feel connected to ourselves enough to know, like, I don't know how this might work out, but I'm, I'm willing to take the step. Trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. And I feel like therapy is great for this. I feel like therapy can be wonderful for staying connected, getting to know yourself and staying connected to yourself. So you maybe don't repeat patterns that maybe you've noticed have become toxic to you. I feel like I can only really speak for myself, but that therapy has been really helpful in trying to understand myself and kind of cultivate a better relationship with myself so I can stop making the choices that lead me down a path I don't want to go and feel stronger and empowered to you know, kind of go into the unknown a little bit stronger and with open arms. Does that make sense? Anyway, so I think therapy can help with that. I think it can empower that. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pineapple today to get 10% off your first month. It's so easy to sign up. It's so easy to use. I highly recommend it. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash pineapple. Take a bite out of summer with HelloFresh. From chef-crafted seasonal recipes to their new fresh and fit summer menu, HelloFresh brings flavor right to your door. Pre-portioned ingredients help cut down on food waste while step-by-step instructions make cooking a breeze, not a chore. I love their recipe breakdowns. They're so great. Make your home the hangout place this summer with crowd-pleasing eats. From a backyard bratwurst bar to tangy key lime pie, HelloFresh Market makes summer entertaining a cinch. A delicious and a fresh cinch, I might add. Did you know HelloFresh offers more than just delicious dinners? It's now easier than ever to skip that extra grocery store run by adding snacks, sides, and more to your weekly order. You you can get everything. Everything can be covered. Simply shop HelloFresh Market and take your pick from a curated selection of over 100 items. The market is so great. I love HelloFresh because, well, the food is fantastic, but I love their recipes. They're so to the point. Like it'll say 30 minutes and that's exactly how long it takes. And you've whipped up like this fantastic meal. I've also learned a lot from cooking with HelloFresh because you start pairing things together. You start learning what sort of flavors go well together. I just, I have absolutely loved it. And it's so easy and so quick. So I love HelloFresh for all those reasons, many reasons. But if you're interested in a tasty and delicious delivery service, go to HelloFresh.com slash pineapple50 and use code pineapple50 for 50% off. 
plus free shipping. That's a huge discount. HelloFresh.com slash pineapple50 and use code pineapple50 for 50% off plus free shipping. We were so lucky to get you on Psych. Was Psych next after Kill? I did Crash after that. Crash, that's right. Oh my God, that's right. Which I think is still considered way up there as, as far as like best comedies of enough. Um, <laughs> um, it's still like my first two shows were so, so dark and visceral. Um, and, but I always loved writing comedy, but because those were my only credits, you know, when I went and met on Psych, when I met Henzi and, and Steve and Kelly, I think it was a, it was a little bit of a square peg round hole in theory because they look at my resume. And I think I had a comedy sample, but they had to be going, I mean, this doesn't seem like a great fit. And I was best friends with James, which is a little, you know, it was, I get it. They were a little hesitant. That's a little complicated, right? Like you put his best friend in the writer's room, but to their credit, um, I'm very thankful uh, to, to the three of them. Um, they took a shot I'm sorry. Like you, you wrote a script, like you, you earned that, you earned that place. And Rodney was there, sure. of course, to like cheer you on. We all were because we, we knew you at that point um, a little bit. I mean, I knew you and, I, I honestly, we look so forward to all of your script. You're anyway, well, that we'll get into that. But so, so I'm thinking you never looked back at Fordham, right? <laughs> uh, I didn't, I, you know, what's funny is I didn't, but I think I was only like a semester, maybe a semester and change away from graduating. So I, so there was a couple of years out in LA where I went, you know what, let me just go get my degree just in case. But I really started to subscribe to the backup plan thing. And if I had one, I felt like I'd use it too soon. So I, I thought about it briefly and then I buried it and never looked back. So you were like, you were more motivated by the fact that you didn't have a co- Like you, you didn't want to use it. It's like, oh, well, that's there. I can just go that direction and kind of lean on that. Yeah, because you hit a rough patch and I had several, um, you know, close calls where I almost broke through and this and that where I go, you know what, like, just go, just go get the degree and go get the gig and put on your suit and go make a living. And I, I just felt like if I, if I could reach it, I would, I would go for it. I didn't want to do that. So I just, uh, And you say you're not fearless. That's crazy. Well, but, but I, listen, I, I got to that place, but I was terrified when I was moving out here. I was like, Oh my God. I mean, at one point I think my, the potential jobs were that PA job, being a doorman at a place called Barfly, which is no longer. Yeah, I remember Barfly. Oh my goodness! I was supposed to taking that job because it paid pretty well, and then I was like, I don't want to be a PA. It was like I'm going to deliver lunch. I was like, I don't know, man. PA it seemed like I was like, God, I don't know if I want to do that. Um, but it was the best decision I ever made because obviously I met the people that helped open doors. Right. But yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So you went, you had to go through the process of like meeting obviously Steve and Kelly and Chris and all of that. And I, yeah. I would say that had to have been kind of a no brainer for them with Steve also being like, he had his like no a-hole policy that we always talk about. So like yeah. part of like the job, part of, part of coming onto the show meant you like had to like, this is, a, this is a certain kind of person we like to keep around us on. Like we, we built our, we built that like, or he did, I should say, but you know, and you were right yeah. there. You were like a family member already. Yeah. I mean, look, Steve, geez, like well, my first, it was on my second or third day on the staff. You get on a train to Santa Barbara <laughs> with the staff. Talk about and it. Like, yeah. You yeah. Put, 
it's crazy. And he, I mean, he's like a kid in the candy store when it comes to that trip. He's just like, oh, we're getting on. And all of us would kind of hem and haw and be like, oh, we're going to get on a train and go up to Santa Barbara for the day or whatever. And like, it, it, we always like kind of bitched about it. And then it ended up being the greatest thing because we all would, we all lived in different places, right? Different parts of the city. Kel Cahoon would fly in from Austin and then get, get on the train. But we all caught the train at different points. And so by the time you know, got to the last stop, we're all on the train riding up the coast. And you get off the train, walk up State Street. We go and have lunch, usually at like a Mexican place. You drink a bunch of margaritas, just pick on each other relentlessly. Because huh. the, the, we're supposed to go and talk about the first few episodes of the season. No. We just bag on each other and do bits. And Andy Berman tells a bunch of crazy stories. And then we drink all day and then get back on the train drunk <laughs> and then come back. And it's because he just loved hanging out and doing bits. And and the the happy action of it all was we wouldn't really talk about episodes, but something would happen in all the nonsense that we were doing where a seed of an episode would come out of some Ridiculous. moronic thing that one of us did. And it was the best. And we did it every season. Every season, religiously, we got on the train, went to Santa Barbara, went and looked at the real uh police station facade <laughs> uh, and yeah got drunk and had a great time uh, that's the best that's how that but that's he was wired like that that's that's how he lives his life he is he's a big he's he's fun like like steve wants to have fun he wants to bring all of his people along and have a good time and play like a kid it's the greatest which is you know set the tone for for everything yeah. i i it really does. Yeah. Did. Do you feel so now that you're like running Hollywood basically? Um, do you uh <laughs> do you do you did you take anything like did you take anything from did you take anything from like the experience or whatever? Like, okay, so you go off of psych. I want more. Okay, you go off of psych and then what happened after psych? Because so we had you for years and and yeah. some of the best episodes of psych, obviously. You're like Todd, you're such a talented writer creator like you can go from from the seed to the like the whole thing like you're you're which so it's not a surprise that you've now had I don't know how many shows on the air oh my god um that you have created and been running and what is that number now six uh I think I've done five or that I've run I think five or six mm -hmm. yeah um and Resident, the one I just did, was on for six seasons. Uh, I was I ran it the first three, but um, so I was on that one for a minute. But uh, um, but yeah, I mean, Steve, I think you know the great thing about the timing of Psych for me was I once I left Psych and I did a couple shows before I created Rosewood, but when I was building a staff, I really took I tried to find the writers that kind of subscribe to that kind of Steve Frank's um, way of collaborating, which is, you know, no jealousy, like be happy for your fellow writer that when they do really well, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, in writer's room, sometimes there's like, there's this envy or jealousy when like someone is either more talented than you or, or delivered a script to their showrunner, show creator that they loved, and then you start feeling like, oh my god, they, they like me more than than mm -hmm. than uh, the next guy. Um, so Steve had a very fun, collaborative environment, and I think what that what I really love about that in particular is 
it sort of gets the best, you get the best out of everybody, right? Then you're, you're not sitting there in a fear-based environment. It's very freeing when, when your boss comes in and is excited when he hears a really good idea. And the other thing Steve never did was rewrite for the sake of rewriting. He never, ever, ever did mm-hmm. that. If it was good on the page, he didn't change it, right? So your work lived. And there's, a lot, there's not a, you know, a lot of shows, but there are certain cultures, certain showrunners that, that, that and they just, and, and it's their right, their show, have to change all the words and put it into their specific voice and put their prints all right, over it. You right. know, so Steve's approach in the writer's room really sounds like his approach on set where that's permeated our entire show where it's sort of like the, the best idea wins and everyone's safe. Everyone's safe to pitch yeah. jokes and ideas and bits and physicalities. And yeah, but you know how many times I've heard someone go, Oh, I have a no asshole policy and best pitch wins. And then you show up and there's assholes in the room <laughs> and right. thing, well, like it happens, you know what I mean? And there, and sometimes the show is still really, really good. We just didn't have that environment. Um, we had the one where, yeah, Steve would come in. If you pitched him something and he loved it, it lived. Yeah. He didn't change it. Think of changing it. And but that's I think why it goes from the writers' room where that was the mentality. Then we get up with you guys, right, on that set, and same mentality. Yeah, you know what I mean. We get up there, and you and you, and then our cast was was amazing at taking what we thought was gold and then really spinning it into gold and making it better. And watching, you know, our cast play, that's what was so fun about being on set, which, by the way, is a little, is not a common thing anymore either. A lot of writers don't even go to set anymore. Really? And we, oh, well, I mean, it's probably 50-50, right. um, you know, uh, and Steve was always like, it's your little movie. Go, yeah. to, go to Vancouver. Movie. Yeah. And it was just like, hey, you just, so I, I, try, I recreated that on Rosewood. I did the same thing. I hired amazing people go producer now granted we were in la so it's a little bit easier to send people to set but like if someone gave me something really really good and it was my show i didn't have to and, and sometimes it wasn't exactly how i saw it but it was really good mm-hmm. leave it alone leave it alone like you don't so and steve was like that and i learned that from him which is like let people feel like they have some ownership mm-hmm. over you know your show it's your show but you're sharing it, right? You're sharing it with your writers. You're sharing it with your cast, with your crew, and then ultimately your audience. Let them have a piece of it. Um, and so that's how I run shows now. That's how, and that's how I'll do it for the rest of my career. And it started, but it started with sight. That's incredible. I love that. I love that, obviously. And it goes on to show how, why you uh, too have been so successful. That's because it's a different animal. I feel like writing to going from, you know, writing to like running a show, like, and I feel like you are, I mean, I just knowing you personally or whatever, you're also like a very, you're a smart businessman. Like you can hand, you can, you can talk to the, to the executives and you can, you're also the, the, like the open hearted creative as well, which is so rare. I feel like, like you can, you have, you can, you can handle both sides and, and communicate all of that so well. Anyway. I'm I'm not surprised at all just at how like I feel like it happened pretty quick too after psych like it was like oh right of course Todd is has his own show of course Todd is running a show of course Todd has this whole, whole deal at Fox of course Todd has multiple shows now on the air like it it didn't surprise me one bit I'm so happy for you yeah. like, 
Well, I look, I learned from some really great people and then I collected some, look, I took Berman with me. Yeah. Um, I, you know, uh, Sal, I couldn't get cause he went off and started creating his own shows and went off into the world. And, um, but look, you hire really great talented people. It makes a show running job, which is really hard, a lot easier. You just have to utilize them and you have to let them, you know, bring everything they can to the table. And, and, uh, so, you know, I, I'm always inspired by people that are, look, the, the Bermans and Sal's and, and of the world and obviously Rodé, like, you know, they're, they have a talent that is just, it's so big and, and Steve Franks, obviously, but like, you know, put those really great inspiring people around you. And then it forces you to sort of be on your best mm-hmm. game too. Right. So, um, I've always just tried to hire people that like almost intimidate me because then you're like in a room full of like all these, and then you go, oh my, I, I really have to be like at my best. Um, and, and look, I'm sure it's like that for actors too, right? If your scene partner is just, I mean, yeah. you guys had it, right? You're all so great. You don't want, you step on that set, you got to be ready to go. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm with you too. I, I, uh, I always feel like it's intimidating. Yes. But when you're working with incredibly talented people that you feel like almost like nervous to be around or whatever you have, like yeah. you have, you have two, one of two options. You can kind of, you know, cower in the fear of that and, or you can try to rise up. And I always um, feel the same way. I always feel like I, that's the, that's like the best way to learn and the best way to grow. You're and welcome. The best way to support. Sure. <laughs> Perfect. Tim. Hey, I have to say this though. I, I, and I still do this, like, especially when you have a cast like ours, if you look back at the episodes that, that I wrote or co-wrote, I loved, cause look, yeah, Dulé and, and James, it, amazing. Right. But, Right, right there, I had Tim, I had Maggie, right? So I would go and do, you know, these episodes where I go, oh, no, 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 I gotta, I'm going to do the one where Lassie gets the apartment, right? Or uh, where we meet your dad. Like, I always Ooh. went, wait, I want to write the one that I build around one of our other gems. You did. That's right. Um, that was always your, that's right. Thank you, Todd. I, I jumped on those. Yeah. Anytime I was like, whoa, no, no, no I can give a lot of, I can put this episode on the back of one of our other rock stars. Um, you know, I jumped at just because it was, to me, it was just interesting. It was different, right? It mixed up. It was a different flavor, um, that existed in our sort of psych universe, which is so great. And like, it, why not utilize it? And so I loved writing those episodes. Yeah. Well, and honestly, looking back to one, maybe two ways out, uh, such a good episode. And like the wild horses and the kiss at the end and the thing. And of course, uh, yeah. of course that's what I'm going to talk about. But like, oh, God, I was like, Todd, wow. Todd. And we had Josh Molina not too long ago as well um, talking about Let's Get Harry. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I still owe him an apology letter. I put him in a, <laughs> did we see a, did we a wheelbarrow? Yes, we did. In a diaper, yes. A diaper. This is. Josh Molina, we're like, what are we doing? But he, he, man, he was talking about good sport. He was. He was. He was all. He's the he was nicest. Awesome. Oh, so talented and yeah. so 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 yeah. kind. Bio comes from bacteria all over the body. So why do deodorants stop at your armpits? That's why I'm so excited to tell you about Lumi, the world's best whole body deodorant. Its acidified formula is clinically proven to control odor-causing bacteria everywhere. 
your armpits, and beyond for a whopping 72 hours. As an OBGYN, Lumi's founder, Dr. Shannon Klingman, met thousands of women concerned with body odor. So she created Lumi, a pH-optimized aluminum-free deodorant that actually works, and it works everywhere, with over 150,000 five-star reviews to prove it. I know so many people who use this product, and I'm not just saying this because this is an ad. I love it, but also, like, I've just heard other people talking about it as well separately. It's wonderful. I also love that it's like scent free. I think you can get scents, but like the scent free, I feel like sometimes is like, is it really? And this really, really truly is. And I'm a little bit of a like deodorant snob and I'm a big, big, big fan of Lumi. Actually, it's so funny because my mom told me about them a while ago because she loves Lumi. And I was like, oh, and so I've been, I've actually been a customer of Lumi long before this podcast. <laughs> so that's why I love doing these ads because I can speak to them for real. Lumi's whole body deodorant is the first of its kind. It's safe to use everywhere on your body. And I love that it is clinically proven to block odor all day and control odor for up to 72 hours. How you ask? Unlike some deodorants that try to mask odor with a fragrance, Lumi is formulated and powered by mandelic acid to stop odor before it starts. More like a pre-odorant. It just stops it before it starts. Lumi Starter Pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi Starter Pack with code pineapple at lumideodorant.com. That equates to over 40% off your starter pack when you visit lumideodorant.com. Use code pineapple. Have you ever been on the hunt for a new doctor and you ask literally everyone you know for their recs? A doctor who actually gets you, listens to you, and makes you feel super comfortable. And finally, after weeks of searching, you find the one. And you call the office and they have an appointment available. Heck yeah, which is great. But then the receptionist tells you the perfect doctor doesn't take your insurance. Wipe your tears, put away the ice cream, and head over to ZocDoc to find and book the doctor who is right for you and takes your insurance. ZocDoc is a free app. It's free where you can find amazing doctors and book appointments online. We're talking about booking appointments with thousands of top-rated, patient-reviewed doctors and specialists. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat almost every condition or any condition you are searching for. These docs have verified reviews from actual real patients, not bots. The average wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is just between 24 and 48 hours. That's immediately. Imagine that. Imagine the stress of not having answers and something going on, and you can have them that fast with like a great doctor who takes your insurance. That's it. 24 to 48 hours. You can even score same day appointments. Same day. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately with just a few taps. No more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. Go to ZocDoc.com slash pineapple and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. That's ZocDoc. Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash pineapple. ZocDoc.com slash pineapple. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. What was your first episode, Todd? Well, my first one on staff was Viagra Falls. Oh my God. Older Sheldon West. Which we just had Carl Weathers. 
um, who had, we went on yes. and on. Oh, William Devane. William Devane, like that episode as well. So it's fun going back and rewatching because I feel like yeah. there are these episodes that there are, uh, you know, when, when you ask or like psychos weigh in or people talk about their favorite episodes, you get a lot of like last night, Gus, you'll get, let's get Harry's in there. Oh. Let's get, you know, um, and then as we've started to go back and like rewatch some of them and I'm, I'm like every single episode and the psychos too are saying that like every single, <laughs> like we find something in every episode. It's like, God, we were, that we were so lucky, but we really hit our stride. I think we're in season five now on the podcast, obviously, but I like in season three, I say, um, but when we were doing shit like Viagra falls and these, like the competition between yeah. those two guys, that's yeah. Harry, I mean, the stuff we were getting away with and then one, maybe two ways out, which I like our born identity, basically episode. So, like, I, we got to call out um, Andrew Bernstein for directing Viagra Falls since we know our dear friend Andrew oh, listens yes. to the podcast. Andrew, we love you. We just had Andrew. We just had Carl Weathers. We, we spent some time on Viagra Falls. You're writing yeah. and Andrew's directing was a definite worthy of a two part podcast episode. Oh, the psychologist ring. It's psychological podcast. Yeah. yeah. And this, this, this one too. I also like, I remembered a very funny story. Well, what's your, do you have a standout Todd? Do you have any, 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 and no pressure, but like any standout stories or anything from this one? I know one about Franca. That's really good. Um, you know what I'm, you know which one? Well, there's a couple. Uh, Franca. Patente is married to an actor named Derek Richardson, who's pro is like one of my oldest friends in life. And, and then Franca came along and now we've all, I mean, Franca just like, we're just amazing, but we were like, Oh my God, we're doing a born identity episode. We got to get Franca up here. And so we called Derek, we get him up. So I know a personal story about what was going, like what was going on. Okay. That we are going to tell the same story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we're, 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 we're hung her upside down. I like, <laughs> 45 minutes. I'm watching this and I was like, oh my God. Do you want to do you want to yeah. tell? Yeah, I mean, I didn't know it. I, I don't remember when I found out, but she was pregnant with her first child. Yeah. Their first child, yeah, right? Polly. They didn't know. They weren't trying. I mean, they they weren't like it was a total surprise. And then yeah. I think it was the day before she took something. I I think she's okay with me telling the story. Like she like took a pregnancy test. It was positive, but she almost like didn't believe it. And then she took so many more. And I think sent, yeah. and then the the next day, she even had to know that. Like we were, we hung her upside down for a stunt and she couldn't, like she didn't say anything or couldn't say anything to anybody. Oh my God. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and by the way, and then you watch that episode, she was like running around like a crazy person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hanging her down. And it's like, it was just insane. Um, but I remember that one. I remember this one, <laughs> which was, uh, we see Thomas Howell was in the episode. Yeah, um, he's great. And uh, uh, great. And he, uh, you know, to his credit, he was like, he really got into the, the characters. I think he was an FBI agent, Driggs or yes, Dregs. Yes, we yeah. Yeah. Um, and he showed up uh, on the first day of filming and he walked up to uh, Andy Byrne and I, and he had these like really nice aviator sunglasses on, right? Mm -hmm. And he was like, so what do you think of the uh, thing of the, the, the glasses here? I picked them up, you know, got them myself. So he got his own sunglasses. Mm. And he thought, oh, no, that's okay, cool. And then Damsky was like, mm, 
I don't know. We don't want the song. He's in the chopper. Like I want to whatever. And then uh, she's telling us how takes him off. He goes, Oh, I know because you're paying for the whole thing. You want to see the whole, the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 I'll pay for the whole thing. Let's see the whole thing. All right, man. <laughs> it was Amazing. it was awesome. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. I like this. I like the story. I like the story very much, Todd. So last I mean, he bought him. He kept him. Can we just for a moment? Can we revisit the road trip of season six that we took? Just for just for oh, we yeah. tell the whole story. We should have our own podcast about I that. Was like a just separate about podcast. to say, like we're we have we're already like so far in. But I I was I and I also it's such a personal story. But like this was a crazy. We almost should dedicate an entire podcast to it. But um, one year we were driving that I had to, we had to drive the dogs up every year to like Vancouver and back just because flying a giant mastiff and an English bulldog was not possible <laughs> and so it was time to go and Rodé couldn't do the drive he like was already in Vancouver prepping for something and then I think was doing something else <laughs> a fantasy sports thing I don't know what it was and was he directing the premiere yes, or something was, he had to go up to print he was directing yeah. the premiere of um my god what season was that I want to say it was this one I want to say it was going into six and it was going to six. yeah And so, and you so sweetly, because it was like, I, you had to get up there as well. Yeah. And and I wrote, I think I co-wrote the episode. Yeah. And you volunteered to ride with me so sweetly um, and help with the dogs and everything else. And we were like pumped. We like had like, like texts and jokes and all kinds of stuff. We were planning and getting ready. And then uh, a freak storm uh, well, it's, yes. it started like when I left my house that morning. I don't know if you remember. And I, I was coming onto the ramp of the 101 and I, I hadn't even gotten to your place yet. And I, I saw a, an overturned car. Okay. This is going to get way too detailed, but there was like an, there were lots of omens. Let's say that. So I come around to like, go from like the 405 to the 101, which is a big, crazy ramp in Los Angeles, like freeway entrance. And as I'm coming around in one of the lanes, there's an overturned car that you can't see it's dark the lights are off no one's in it or whatever but it's just like abandoned there on the street and I'm like that's weird and I dodge it and I get around it I'm like that's just that's so bad and then I finally get to your house and the sun is just starting to come up and and there's a pack of coyotes in your front yard yeah yeah and I have two dogs in the back and I'm also like I don't know if anybody should come outside right now. Whole pack. I want to say in my head, it was like 20, <laughs> but it was probably like five, but still. And I was like, that feels weird. It yeah. Feels weird. And then we had a windstorm, a snowstorm. We had almost, remember we had to go to buy the chains for the tires. Remember? When then you got a flat tire. We got to the top of like Mount Shasta and like the, the, I mean the top of it. Cause we, yeah. cause we drove to the top of Mount Shasta, but we're going through Shasta. Yeah. We leave LA. There's a storm that hits. It's like icy roads. We're like, it's cool. It's cool. We're going to be fine. No, we pull over because at one point we think my flat, my tire is already flat and we're sliding off the road from the wind. Do you remember this? And I opened the door do. and it almost flew off. Anyway. I do. And then yes. Um, yeah. You this this is was the moment where I knew like this is just not this may not end well. <laughs> Pull in, get the tire change. We said to the guy specifically like don't put the car on the big giant lift. We got two dogs in the back. 
walk across the street, grab some snacks. On the way back, <laughs> car, 10 feet in the air, and both dogs' faces pressed to the glass. Terrified. Terrified. It was awful. Is that, like, the guy at the gas station with the, without the teeth? That, oh, my God. That, yeah. It was... It... In the gas, and he thought we were married, and he goes, hey, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, go in, go in the store and get your wife something to drink. I said, oh, that's my, it's not my wife. It's my best friend's girlfriend. He went, what? <laughs> he was so mad at you. It was I'm so, so mad and offended. I was like, be honest. Maggie, get the car, let's go. Yeah, we were out of there so fast. Yeah, we were, there were, it was, we were, we truly were lucky to make it there in one piece. There was some Todd, I still don't. I just remember when we were like, it feels like the tire might be getting flat. Remember when we opened the door and it was like, like the snow was up to here on either side of the road and it was like, we we're like, that's not a good Yeah, thing. I didn't know what I was doing. No, you were good though. You were very good. You're very good at like keeping calm the situation, except when we both, I think we both lost our shit. At that point, we'd just been through so much that when the dogs were raised on that thing, both of us were like, oh my God, oh my God. What is, what, yeah. it was a joke at that point. It was like. Yeah, it was one, one weird thing after another. It was like playing strange automobiles, but not John Candy and uh, yeah. Steve Martin. It was us. We had a good time though. We had a good time. It was fun. It was we laughed more than we a hundred percent. We screamed a hundred percent. It was the best. Oh my god, it's so funny. We were about to get through this whole podcast and not tell that story. One of my absolute favorite stories of Todd. One of the best ever. Todd, do you have time for a couple fan questions? Um, of course. Because you know, and do you have any any? I mean, like we can keep going too. But like, if you have anything uh, else you you wanted to add, just about Psych or the episode or any other stories, just. But we really just wanted to dedicate this episode to Todd because he oh, deserves your own. That's episode. lovely. The tricky thing about this podcast for me is I could talk about each episode I did, honestly, for days because mm -hmm. each of them were special and unique and there's stories and stories and stories. So, um, but, you know, this one, you know, was a blast that I did it with Berman. And oh my God, we should Berman. John, John, John oh. Rice played Stravinsky in this So episode. good. So good. He is a it was just they're they're all they're all like special for different reasons and um yeah I cherish them all I miss it I miss I miss so it let's say we all badly we want to have you back then I mean I I'll also now I've just got this inspired idea that it would be hilarious to have you and Andy on like together or you and that would be Rodriguez yeah just to um, yeah so I'm gonna I'm gonna get ready as soon as we hang up I'm gonna be like so what are you doing next week. <laughs> So we can, now I want to hear all the stories. Anyway. If you're a writer or an actor, you're not doing anything. No. Except picketing. No. Uh, That's what I do want to circle back to one thing you said, though. Yes, I'll, Tim. Um, you, in, in your brilliant career, you've brought great people with you. But just having been the, under the tutelage of great, lovely people and taking those skills does not necessarily make a magnificent showrunner make. It's the fact that you yes. have... Um, that rare quality of talent and amazing heart and goodness in soul. Yeah. That you've taken those lessons as people gave you and you ran with them. A lot of people, oh, a lot of people you, can man. get those thank lessons, but not be open to them. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, I'm very thankful that I get to do this for a living. You know, I get to spend, you know, quite a bit of money to go and, and create, you know, content that hopefully people enjoy. Um, it's, you know, it's, we're lucky to get to do it. So I try to keep, I try to keep both feet on the ground and stay humble and treat people the right way. And hopefully, you know, I'm a big believer in karma. So, cause I want to do this for as, you know, as long as possible. Yeah. 
Uh, so, you know, I just, you know, trying to do it the right way and hope for the best. We love it. We love it. We, you deserve it. And we love seeing all the goodness coming to good people and the ones who deserve it. So anyway, well, we have a couple questions for you. Ready? Todd, sure. until the next time you're here, which will be immediately. You were both a writer and a producer for the show. How did each of those roles affect the other? Did your producer side ever cause you to curb what the writer in you thought might be a good script idea, for instance? Huh. Would love to hear some stories about the dual role. Good question. Uh, good question. Good question. Yeah. I mean, the biggest one is sometimes we would have an idea. Look, we didn't have a trim. We had enough money to make the show and make it well. Yeah. But oftentimes I would come in. And the writer in me would go, oh, my God, I have to do the episode where Sean and Gus almost take off into outer space because they're at, uh, you know, space camp, <laughs> right? And then the producer in me goes, okay, <laughs> how are we, we going to make that? Like, how are we going to produce that? Because I'm going to send it, you know, even if, even if Steve gets excited and lets us write it, then it's going to go up to Vancouver and that amazing crew we have is going to go, come on, dude, really? <laughs> we have like six and a quarter days to make this yeah. and 75. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, so um, it was just like trying to take ambitious ideas, which we, which that writer's room had in spades and make sure that they fit into um, a producible episode so that we weren't putting ourselves our show sort of in a position where we couldn't pull it off so mm. that's probably the biggest i mean i have to do that on every show but on psych in particular you know you have to be careful how many locations and and how many guest star all those things that can really start chewing away at the money right right that's were you excited to write the episode where jules and Ki and sean kiss huh. did you know uh, were you like given like a story point was it like this is the episode or did you pitch that you know, I don't remember if it if it happened naturally in the moment or if it was something Steve wanted to do in that particular episode. I don't really remember. But, um, yeah, because, you know, at that point, that deep into the run, it was just such a charged, mm -hmm. you know, relationship that the audience, uh, our fans, was so invested in. And you just know, like, you know, Moments like that, uh, you know, as a push off uh, in a in a long running series, um, it's just those things that keeps your audience leaning in and going, "Oh my God, they're still coming up with stuff to keep us like really, really engaged." Um, so yeah, it was you know, there's a lot. I mean, look, this this show, Steve was also, you know, I'm not going to keep saying nice things about the guy because you know he, he's shouted compliments probably every week, but he's very um, unselfish when it comes to letting writers have some big, big moments in his series. Mm. You know, this was, a, you know, he, you know, he could have easily at any point gone, no, I, I want that moment. You know, he let me write the hundredth episode of his series. Yeah. Oh my God. So right. Cl clue, right. Clue. clues. On yeah. the train to Santa Barbara, he came back and sat next to me and he goes, I know that you love the movie clue. And I know you've been talking to Roday about this, uh, for a long time. Um, so, it's going to be the 100th episode, multiple endings. We're going to do it. And I want you to write it. I mean, he, he it's his show. He could have a thousand percent written that episode. Mm -hmm. So he, so that's a long way of saying, yes, I was excited about the, the Jules and Sean kiss, but 
I just about I have a bunch of those on this on this show where it was just you know big moments that Steve could have kept for himself, but that he um, you know really you know gifted to to other writers. Yeah, that's so beautiful. That's right, most showrunners would have taken those moments for themselves and said, "No, this is mine." Thousand percent. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. He's very generous in that respect. Very in a lot of ways, but that's that's very big of him. Um, have you ever guest starred in an episode? Yes, I have. Yes, you have. Camber. Yes, I have. <laughs> I, not easy to spot, but I was a zombie in... States, uh, like a, Nightmare. Like a nightmare. Nightmare? Nightmare on State Street, right? Nightmare on State Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was a, I was a zombie, I think I, oh, I think it was a zombie mailman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. I got the mail pack and the hat and the whole thing. Psychos, we need um, a screenshot of this ASAP. It's pretty creepy. No. It's not not pleasant. I love it. Um, Kurt Smith was also but, talking about this last week. And yeah, everybody, I feel like everybody came out and did their makeup and did that. Ugh, Todd. I want to talk. I I want to talk to you for days. Like I I feel like you have so many good stories. So please, yeah, I'm out to the house. I'll fire up the pizza oven, make you some gluten free. Oh yes. Wait, when are we doing that? I really want to do it. You still have your pizza oven? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, good. Oh, I want to. Oh, yeah. I want it. My parents are in town, so I fired it up a few days ago. How are your That's parents? Great. They're great. Okay. They're great. They're uh, you know. They're in their late seventies, and um, so Chuck and what's your mom's name? Joanne. Chuck and Joanne. There's a story about Chuck and Joanne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, hey, whenever, whenever you two lovely human beings, human persons, want to come out, I will cook for you, and we'll open a good wine. Chef Todd and good wine. Also, also, just so everyone knows, like this is something Todd is also known for. Like, not only does he have the house that, like where the gatherings happen and everything else. He's an incredible chef and uh, always, always has the best wine. So, um, in fact, I'm going to, I'm just going to, when we finish, I'll just, I'll be on my way. I'm hungry. Okay. I'm hungry. Yeah, I'll pick you up on the way, Tim. I'll scoop you up. Todd, we love you so much. Thank you for, for sitting with us and talking about this whole story, which is just so, so good. So rich. And uh -huh. let's have you back in a, in a, in like a split second. I'll hang out with you guys anytime. I love you guys. We love you too. You're silver, silver fox face, buddy. Todd, you look. I'll never. Great. Die, I promise. Like you look great. Oh, thank like, you. Like the, the mm -hmm. I mean, you know, like we're we are our, our group. Our group is is doing all right. We're doing all right. Okay. Thank you, Psycho, so much for listening. Thank you, Todd, so much for being here. And okay. Bye, you guys. Thank you so much, Todd, for coming on the podcast. As always, don't forget to follow us on our Instagram at The Psychologists Are In and our Twitter at Psychologist Pod. Please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash psychologists are in for full video episodes of the pod and ad-free apps. Next week, Tim and I will break down the strike a bit more in detail to help you understand what's going on in our entertainment industry. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.